Let us pray. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So today I want to invite you all to open your Bible, um, if you have one, to chapter 19 of Genesis. So my goal today is to unpack uh, the story to discover what it has to teach us Christians living in Quebec in 2020. So I assume that you have your Bibles ready, so let's start at the beginning. So it starts at verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, just for fun, let's go back one chapter at the very first verse of chapter 18. It goes like this. And the Lord appeared to him, Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. So in, in both chapter 18 and 19, at the very first verse, we have angels visiting a place, someone who is sitting at the door at a specific time of the day. Abram is in the heat of the day and Lot is in the evening. We have light and we have darkness, we have visitors and we have doorways. Okay, so what do we make of this? Is this just a coincidence? Or is the scriptures inviting us to read the story of chapter 19, the story of the judgment of Sodom, in parallel with the story of a miracle birth to Sarah and Abraham? I think it does. Uh, and uh, we are, me and my wife, doing a Bible study in Genesis and it happens again and again where two chapters are put one next to each other and they help contrast and understand each other uh, when you read in the light of the other. So it's, it's really fascinating, especially in this case. So before diving in, um, we'll have a little refresher of what happened up to this point to give us a little context. So who is Lot? Lot is the nephew of Abram. Lot and Abram, they left their homeland and they journey all the way down to Egypt where Pharaoh is submitted to plagues because he captures, captured Sarah, Abram's bride. And Abram comes out of Egypt richer than when he came in. So you can already see a little hint of the story of Exodus right there. We have multiple elements. We have Egypt. We have capturing of the, the bride. And we have the judgment upon Pharaoh and the escape uh, with, um, with a lot of um, blessings. But now there's a problem. There's the, the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham are at odd with each other. So they decide to split. They decide to go separate ways so that there'd be no strife between each other. And Lot decided to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because at the east of the Jordan, and it's because it's very fertile, it says it's like the garden of the Lord. All the while, Abram, he remains a nomad, and he's with a barren wife, not knowing who will be his heir. So Lot seems to have become an important figure in Sodom, and uh, when there's the, the battle between the kings of the east and the kings of the west, uh, he's captured, and Lot goes back 
uh, I mean, Abraham goes back and, and uh, deliver him. But um, Lot decides to uh, go back to Sodom rather than joining back with Abram. And every turn seems that Lot wants to go back to Sodom, even though we have hint, hints that it's becoming a, a wicked place. Now, after that, Abram makes sacrifices and has a, a, uh, an encounter with God where God makes a covenant with him with the promise of him having descendants number like the stars. So we're coming into chapter 18 now. Abram is sitting in his tent door and he received the three angels and he invited them to stay and to be refreshed. Uh, and Abram shows extreme hospitality. Uh, he makes them a great feast. Uh, he brings them water to be refreshed, to wash their feet. And then the scripture says, they said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. And the Lord said, so it goes from the plural to the singular. The Lord said, I will shall return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Again, another mention of, of the door. Then the Lord set out to Sodom and Abram's at the top of the mountain. And he's bargaining with God as to how many people needs to be righteous in order to save the city. And he bargains from 50 all the way down to 10, which is, if you count, the number of people in the household of Lot. So is one household enough to save a city? Well, it seems to be enough in the case of Noah uh, and the whole world. So why not a city, right? Uh, and in a way, Genesis 19 is like a mini Noah story that goes haywire. Um, but I think it's hinting at us that as long as there's a seed, there's hope. But in this case, God wasn't even able to find 10 righteous. And we know what happened. And Lot escaped by the skin of his teeth with his daughter and his wife, and he ends up in a cave, um, not a mountain like Noah. So many people think that the whole issue with Sodom is homosexuality. And uh, I think it's a little too simple of an interpretation. There's sexual sin, of course, but the rest of the scriptures is telling us something different. For example, in Ezekiel, it says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. And it's Ezekiel 16, 49, if we want to look it up. And in the light of the gospel, in our reading today, Jesus is sending 72 angels, meaning angels means messenger, right? So he sends out his disciples two by two to the cities surrounding him. And Jesus says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So when a place has become inhospitable to messenger, uh, to, to the messengers of God, it shows a level of corruption that calls on it judgment. Um, Hebrews uh, warns in a similar way uh, when it says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained 
angels unaware. So going back to Genesis 19, we're seeing Lot receiving the two angels, like Abram received the two angels and the Lord. In the same fashion, Lot puts his face to the ground and invites them into his house. Lot provides a great feast, just like Abram did, but it doesn't take too long for the ground to, to start slipping. Rather than having a promise of new life in the doorway, like uh, in chapter 18, now there's a threat at the doorway where the people of the town want to abuse the messengers of God. To save his skin and the life of his get, Lot then tries to bargain with the men of Sodom by, by offering his own daughters. So what's going on here? You know, from all account, we have no doubt about this, that Lot seems to be somewhat of a righteous man. But what I believe is that he became entangled with Sodom. He, he's been there for so long. He's been thinking like them for so long that he became a Sodomite. He became someone who think like the people of Sodom. So we see it here. He's asking the people at the door to not act wickedly, but then proceed to offer his daughters as payment. So he's thinking and he's bargaining the way the people of Sodom would. The ways of Sodom became Lot's way. So you know, we can think of Paul, what he says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. And we can feel this entanglement even more in the next verse after he tries to convince his family to join him. And they, they don't want to follow him. And it says, as morning dawned, the angel urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who, you, who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. And he lingers. He is attached to this place he calls home and has a really hard time letting go. But he is finally, by the grace of God, it says, brought out of the city almost by force, with a dire warning. The angel says, do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. And I think that's at this point, the angels are pretty much telling Lot and his family to cut themselves completely, emotionally and physically from Sodom. It's not just enough to go away. It, it, they have to cut themselves from this, this, this wicked city. But as we know, Lot's wife just can't resist, and she looks back, and she's turned to a pillar of salt. You know, and we can we can imagine the scene where she she's still attached to this this city, and she's turning back, and she hasn't completely let go of Sodom in her heart. So here it's interesting when you juxtapose chapter 18 and chapter 19. So the land and the wife of Lot is turned into barren salt. You know, salt doesn't grow anything. The world of, Som of Sodom and Gomorrah was really fertile, but now it's completely sterile. And it's quite the opposite for the story of Adam, who he had a barren wife, but is now having a miracle firstborn son. So 
with all that being said, what what is this story here to teach us? And I don't claim to exhaust the story. There's a lot more to it. But I think we can we can extract two main themes from this story. And I think the first one is hospitality. Receiving angels unaware. And unless we have a strong evidence that someone with evil intention is knocking at our door, like Lot in the city, um, we're called to receive people in our home just as if they were messengers of God. Abram and Lot bowed both made feast and sacrificed time and effort to make their guests feel welcome. Um, and it's maybe the only saving grace of Lot in this whole affair. Um, hospitality, when you think about it, is an expression of the love of God to people outside our little safe bubble. You know, guests, they're unpredictable, they disrupt their plan, they mess up our house, they take time away from our work or our hobbies. And if we've never met them before, maybe even expose us to dangers or blessings. But that's the point. The love of God is to shine to outside of our own little bubble. In the rule of St. Benedict, and I really love this, this way of approaching hospitality, they say, all guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. Imagine a world where people act like that. Imagine also if any guest that comes at the door and knocked and knock at the door of St. Timothy, or anyone who comes at our door of our home, were truly welcome as Christ himself. How would we act? How would we talk? You know, imagine if it's even an ex-prisoner selling you wallet he made by hand. Who knows? He could be a messenger from God. A messenger from God. And if we're unhospitable to one another, how are we to be hospitable to Christ? for him to come into our hearts. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. And he also warns us in the parable of the sheep and the goat. He said, For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they all will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment or the righteous into eternal life. Needless to say, hospitality is not a marginal part of the message of Christ. It's often tied to judgment in scriptures because that's how the gospel is expressed. Hospitality reveals 
the inner disposition of the heart. We are called to find ways to open our home and make ourselves available to those on the margin, even though it can be dangerous. Um, and the second part, I believe, is, is final judgment. Um, it's, Sodom is used throughout the scripture as the symbol of judgment, of the judgment of God upon the wicked. And judgment is not something we talk often in church or as Christian these days. It's very uncomfortable. We like to talk about the good parts where, um, you know, we, we come into this presence and the world is transformed and all of this. But, and I believe this issue comes as Christians are praying less and less psalms. Uh, because if we were praying the psalms more often, uh, we would realize that a big part of the book of Psalm is to uh, petition God to come and to judge for truth, for justice, and for goodness to prevail on this wicked, uh, sometime uh, world we live in. We all have we all have to give an account for what we've done, and I know where none of us is innocent, right? But um, what's interesting is if we ask the question, what could have saved Sodom from destruction? And I think it's a simple answer. It's, it's repentance. You know, uh, if you think about another city who was supposed to be judged, Nineveh, in the book of the prophet Jonah, uh, it was saved by one thing, by true and contrite repentance. As Anglicans were invited to repent before God and, and others daily, um, but how many of us do it? And when we repent, it's not just enough to say the words. Um, are we are our sin truly grievous to us? Do we ask forgiveness and and to one another as if our lives depended on it? You know, in the final judgments are you going to be Sarah or Lot's wife? Are you going to laugh in awe at the promise of new life? Or are you going to be looking back in grief to the world that is passing away? How attached are we? Will we linger? Will we look back with attachment and fondness rather than looking towards the promise of a much better and infinitely more righteous kingdom? And we're not necessarily just talking about end times here. Um, we are talking about our own lives and, and its end. In the final moment, where will our hearts be set? To the past and to this world or, for the world to, come, or to the world to come? Let's pray. Lord, we call upon your name to change our hearts and minds to give us the strength to repent for the way we're com complacent in being hospitable to the people who are on the margins and, on, and to the strangers. Help us see people who visit us as Christ himself. Guide us to seek first your kingdom by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to not be so entangled in the ways of this world but to, but to think as you think. Grow in us a heart of love that shines 
to everyone we meet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.